A warning, this episode discusses suicide and may be upsetting to some people. I'm Sean Hogan and welcome to the Good Guys Podcast. In this episode, Highlanders flanker Hugh Renton opens up about how his rugby career almost never happened. And I'd be like, oh, like laugh at you and be like, oh, mate, you, you know you're not going to play rugby again, like don't be silly. And the outpouring of emotion that came after his dad's suicide. How could we do that, you know? How could we do that to my mum, um, to, to myself, to my sisters? Which turned his life upside down. I was just would just be playing rugby and I'd just finish and I'd just have mum on the phone and just be crying, exhausted. We'll hear about how he got back on track and the work he's been doing now to help others on the same journey. Hey guys, just a quick note from me. I and my guests are not doctors or mental health professionals unless stated otherwise. They have lived experience and are simply sharing what has worked for them to get through tough times. But I'm also going to put some numbers of helplines and websites in the show notes of this episode. So if these topics do raise anything for you that you want to talk to someone about, then you can get the help that you deserve. And now let's get into it. Thanks so much for joining me, Hugh. Yeah, nah, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's, um, it's always good to have a yarn with good fellas and, and people. So cheers. I'm going to start with a pretty broad question uh, for you, which is how would you sort of describe the last... 10 years for yourself geez 10 how do i describe the last 10 years oh how do i describe it i think um i'd describe it as like a yeah goal driven uh and with that you get uh highs of success and then you get uh low points and things sort of struggle along a little bit so that's probably been the theme um of the last 10 years for me so i'm 25 now sort of year 15 and that's probably a little bit before that was probably where I started to push a bit more towards rugby and make plans and and goals and things like that. So, yeah, it's been been a bit of a journey. Well, we'll start with I'll take you sort of back to your your earlier days. You grew up not far from here, Marakakaho, uh, in Hawke's Bay, uh, on a farm. What was that like? What was life like for you growing up as a kid? Yeah, well, I've sort of haven't known too different really, but yeah, grew up on a farm and uh, still there in Marakakaho, sort of about 1,500 acres there, um, sheep, beef and deer, and um, yeah, went to Marakakaho primary till, till high school, um, so yeah, normal kid getting on the school bus and, and travelling like uh, like probably an hour sort of up different country roads till we end up getting to school and, and a smaller school too, I think, you know, 100, 100 pupils or whatever, and and uh, yeah, had had great coaches uh, and teachers there as well, like um, involved with the school, and uh, and so stayed there through intermediate. Um, but yeah, like just a normal farm kid, sort of got out when I could and and ran around, had a bit of space, sort of was on the motorbikes and BMX bikes and and doing all this all sorts, you know, throwing throwing the body around. So um, yeah, it was a pretty awesome place to grow up. I, I I'd love to sort of be back there one day if, if that's a possibility and, and bring up my own family but yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully a few more years away from that. That'd be awesome and it's, it sounds like you, you did a lot of sport growing up then, Does, is there a first sort of rugby memory that sticks out for you? Oh yeah well, there is actually, I remember uh, at Maraikako school sort of um, yeah, playing sort of barefoot rugby on, on the field there every lunchtime 
And I remember when I was, it was early days um, at the school, um, maybe it was first or second year, and I was playing the big kids, and I managed to sort of, uh, sort of run hard, do a little step thing, and then scored under the legs of of who was the best player at the school at the time. And I always, I actually always remember. So it's funny you said that. Yeah, I always remember that memory for some reason. Um, I don't know if that sort of sparked me on to think, geez, you know, I want to. That was an amazing feeling. So yeah, hopefully I can score some tries in professional rugby like that, they'll be, be bloody good. That's brilliant. And and so did, your dad was obviously an ex-provincial stalwart. There's stories of him scoring a try in an All Blacks trial being man of the match. Was he a big influence on you playing rugby? Yeah, well, he definitely was in terms of um, in terms of everything he was he was about. You know, he obviously loved the game of rugby and coached me right through being five years up until I went to high school. So... Yeah, massive in terms of all of that, um, but he never really. He, he, it's a funny thing, like all these stories and that. I, I don't really hear of them too much because I never heard of them growing up or anything, unless they were from external people. Like I never heard anything from from dad about his days really, or or anything like that, or didn't really see any videos or or anything. I, I always remember, you know, getting into a few of his jerseys or whatever um, when I was younger, but um, but not understanding what they meant. But yeah, he. He was a big influence in, in, like in terms of coaching and, and and always sort of pushing me around that area. But yeah, he never really um, said you have to play rugby or you have to do this or whatever. Um, so yeah, him and him and mum and they're just yeah, like normal parents, I guess, drive you everywhere and and help encourage your 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 dreams and goals and and what you want to do. But um, yeah, wasn't wasn't never. F- Ever forced on me or anything as well. And what I, and from what I've heard, your your mum was pretty keen to keep you on the the education trail. Is that is that yeah why yeah sent away? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah that's very fair comment actually. Um, well, mum and dad they always said, oh, you have to like now your academics, do your do your schoolwork, and that's why really wanted to get into Lindisfarne. Um, actually, didn't get into Lindisfarne first first off, oh, really? which is quite funny. Yeah, I was sort of on the waiting list and few people pulled out and it ended up getting on so I probably didn't get in there for my academics but <laughs> I don't, I'm not too sure but yeah ended up end up going there um, in, in year 9 and in, in 2010 then and, and yeah definitely academics was the reason main reason behind going there it was not a massive rugby school or anything like that and I think with all of that sort of aspect, the cream rises to the top if you're good enough and you get a bit of coaching and, and work. And but the academics takes a bit of bit of time. So, sure, yeah, that sure. was always you know you got to do other stuff. You spoke earlier in that memory about you know scoring that first try and and then earlier about um, you know maybe around 14, 15, getting that feeling that you could potentially make a goal of rugby. When was it that you thought this was this is something I really want to pursue? Yeah, well, I think um, it was always sort of been there since I was young, like wanted to play rugby and things. But um, I think when I first, it was around like 13, 14, um, sort of made a rep team one year and then the the next year didn't make um, Hawke's Bay under 16s in year 10. And I, I really remember then I was like, I was really upset by that and I probably didn't understand why. Um, and I, I just sort of started training and going to the gym sort of 14, 15 and just trying to push towards you know being better and I didn't really necessarily know what it looked like but that's sort of where that drive sort of kicked into gear and that passion started fueling the rugby uh, I remember like in the boarding school like trying to do squats and push-ups in the bathroom at night because um, we never got much time always trying to like do pull-ups on the on the 
railings and stuff like that just I was just yeah really determined at a young age and I think that's when I sort of clued into being like nah I actually yeah want to push towards this and then started like just building knowledge base and asking people for help and 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 getting help and and with the rugby and the training aspect and then started sort of I guess naturally yeah put put a goal goals in place and making the first 15 in a couple of years or whatever in a, in a rep team and then yes yeah, started to try to tick those things off so it would have been about about that age where I started kicking into gear a bit more so so do you think it was a bit of like the I've lost to this now I really want it back yeah especially when not making a rep side like that at that age I yeah know, it was really kind sting. of yeah I was kind of it really stung me you know and and that's what clued me in to be like oh, I actually really care about this and I want to do well um and I was probably thinking Jesus if I'm not doing rugby I'm not sure what I'm gonna do so I probably <laughs> thought no buddy get stuck in but yeah I, I remember that time I was, I was just sort of stung by it mm. and then that fueled me to want to be better and mm. that's probably been a reflection of of the, the last few years and with injuries and things like that and, and progress so that obviously put you on a good path because you started to make Hurricanes development sides and such but this is where the first injury setback comes in yeah. well I had, I had good coaches and like good people around me then as well like um like Carl Jones he's is my first coach at, at Lindisfarne and, and and Ben Spriggins Grant Gilbert like they're all being massively influential in, in rugby and and dad probably stepped away in terms of coaching me but he was always sort of um there as a as a guy commenting on my game and, and helping me if I wanted help um but yeah had some great people surrounded by me then and, and then that kind of uh open you know opportunities to get better or, or doors in terms of hurricane schools and, and things like that and then yeah sort of went to like yeah basically pushed the year 12 and then sort of got injured and then that was kind of like a long longer stint than I realized at the time and, and pretty hard but yeah mm, yeah run me through that injury because it's a pretty incredible one isn't it oh it's yeah it was it's just crazy like when I think about it now thinking back I was like it just seems so like different world you know like so I was yeah I was year 12 um at school second to last year of school and it was towards the end of the year and I was um I sort of um got hit in a tackle and my neck sort of stretched real bad and I sort of dazed in that and tried to get up and play on and, and my arm was real sore after that and I was I knew it was sort of different to like a normal sore shoulder that you get in rugby and sort of told mum and dad and, and sort of went to the physio and, and but you know wanted to play the next week and then played the next week and I remember trying to make a tackle my arm just didn't come up properly like it was just a, like a bit of a delayed response um, and then I tried to like catch a ball and my arm I just didn't realize where my arm was in space like but I didn't know why I didn't realize where it was in space and then yeah and then I sort of got it checked out after that and they're like oh you know it's a bit burning up but we can't really see anything and like that would you know explain what you're trying to explain and then sort of play the next week um, and it was sort of a bit the same but weird um, and then yeah just was at home sleeping at about 4am woke up with a searing pain sort of in my neck um, down my shoulder and back like searing searing pain like instantly trying to like you know do something to get it off and, and fix it up and and yeah just sort of went, started to go downhill then and long story short I went to shit loads of people and they all sort of didn't know what it was but then a few people started saying oh it has to be nerves and yeah my arm just sort of stopped working um searing pain with it as well and I just couldn't lift it uh couldn't lift it out off my body that well couldn't lift it up um yeah couldn't really do anything with it the muscles started to waste away um just all that pain like a sort of hot knife in the back 
Mm. I remember I was trying to, um, it was school holidays or whatever, and I, I was in in the house, and, and mum would be like, you know, you got to do, if you're in the house, you have to do homework, and I'd be like doing homework, but I was real sore, and so I sort of sat down on the couch and got a big growling, like go out and help your father on the farm, or whatever, and I went out and tried to help him, and had my arm like tucked in my shirt, and he was thinking, oh, like, nah, he's not good for some reason, and then, but no one really knew what it was, mm. like I said, for ages, so it was pretty scary, and then sort of eventually, like a few weeks went by, a um, couple months went by, and yeah, my, my arm was not getting any better, and yeah, that sort of, yeah, that went on for uh, a year and a half with no movement. And over that time, you were you were told that you couldn't play rugby, right? This was yeah. this wasn't going to get better. Yeah, you get the you get the staunch sort of doctor type, and they'd be like, oh, like laugh at you and be like, oh, mate, you, you know, you're not going to play rugby again. Like, don't be silly, and I, mm. you know, you're not going to be playing professionally. Mm. Like, they just don't understand, you know, like they're talking to a kid who loves what they do, kind of thing. So that was tough. And then other other people would be like, oh, it might come back. Um, you know, and then I sort of, I was lucky, I, I met Dr. Um, Deb Robinson, she was um, Canterbury Crusaders uh, doctor and All Blacks doctor, and so I, I managed to get down there in 2014, so this is like a year, a year and a half after I did it, mm. and meet her, and she kind of gave me a little sliver of hope, she said, look, it's not good, like your arm's not working now, you can't do a push-up, you can't do anything, but she said it could get to a level where it's like strong strong enough to like just handle potentially handle rugby and she sort of gave examples of um guys like Richard McCaw or whatever who have done sort of nerve damage different different types of nerve injuries and and they sort of played with sort of shoulders or arms that didn't work properly and so at the time when I was then I couldn't move my arm or anything but that kind of thought you know if I even if I don't get back to 100% if I get back to you know at least moving my arm to a reasonable amount I'll be happy to you know with that and then yeah it's like another year two years after that sort of started to move it to a reasonable amount and it's really good now so in that initial period you know where you're you're trying to make you're trying to play rugby for your school you know being the first 15 your head prefect you know you've 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 signed for the Magpies at that point for three uh, years. Or that what? was that was end of my last year of school. End of yeah, your last yeah. year at school. Right? So sort of around that sort of start of year thirteen, and that was just all sort of um, you know trying to be like, am I going to play rugby this year? Is it going <laughs> to get better? But I couldn't at that time. Like I couldn't run. Like I couldn't couldn't do anything with like every time I'd run it'd just be like a searing knife. Like my arm would jolt. You know how your shoulder sort of comes up and your arm comes up. Every time it would drop, would just be searing pain so literally couldn't do anything um and that and that must be really tough so that was tough yeah Yeah. like that was incredibly tough i was like that's what i mean like it feels like a different world now Mm. back then because i would sort of um you know be distracted by school enough during the day but then at night i'll be trying to like look in the mirror and get it working or like you know tears in your eyes trying to put you know will this um to work um there's no professionals who've given you any clear evidence of playing rugby again or any dates or anything like this so it's not like a normal injury um say like a broken bone or something that they say you're uh, for six months or nine months and this is what you need to do get back it's none of that so that no clear ending was was a hard thing as well because you don't know what to do to get better or how long it's going to take and so yeah you, there'd be some light nights there and I'd stay awake you know quite a lot just trying to get this arm to work or 
praying to God or praying to whatever I could, you know, to try to will something into existence. And I'd often, I'd often like, yeah, just sort of exhaust myself trying to get it better and then fall asleep, you know, on the couch or, or you know, half out, halfway out of my bed and just be exhausted and then wake up and go to school the next day and try to put on a face of, of being, you know, as you said, head prefect and helping people and that. But yeah, like I said, like I was trying to, I was living with it every day and I couldn't talk on the phone, couldn't really brush my teeth and you know, that gets to you. Mm. And obviously, you know, in this country, we, we, we love our rugby and we love seeing people coming through the ranks. There, there would have been, you know, from what, the things I've read and things I've heard, you were sort of touted as, as, a, as a really promising rugby player. Did that expectation play on your mind at all during that time? No, and if I'm being honest, it actually didn't because, like, my um, my mindset at the time was literally, like, get my life, get my arm better, like survival, you know, like I had to try to survive each day, get through the day and just try to get the arm better. And so I didn't even... Um, all those goals and aspirations I had with, with rugby, and that's probably... Um, why there was talk or whatever back then because I, I sort of spent a bit of time watching American sports and, and, and what they would do in college and tried to like make a bit of a plan for myself and so um, but that was all, all there anyway but like I said the challenge was just day to day living just day to day trying to get my arm right and so it didn't even factor into my mind at, mindset at, at, really at the time because it was all or what can I do to get my arm better to live a better life? Mm. Um, obviously, I had my personal aspirations, but I didn't feel any pressure outside. And so, end of twenty thirteen, you've signed onto the Magpies, and you're part of the Hurricanes yeah. structure, yeah, right? Yeah, so like really lucky at that time. Sort of was uh, the previous sort of couple of years. I was I was in the, the Hurricanes sort of schools and set up, and um, yeah, we actually had a had a tour. Lindisfarne had a first fifteen tour in my year eleven, I think it was. Uh, over to the UK and just a great trip there but I, um, like I said I got dropped from the under 16s a year before so I really wanted to try and make like the Hurricanes under 17s, under 18s and all of that buzz so I stayed back and, and sort of got tried to get into that school system and, and managed to do so and then and then that sort of helped because I, I, I sort of met lots of the Hurricanes coaches and, and all of that at the time and sort of They'd seen me develop and improve, I guess, and um, we sort of had a conversation at the end of my year 13, like, where are you going to go? And, and I was all set to sort of um, go down to Canterbury and, and just do university and potentially be in the academy, if, you know, just to help my arm get back. But again, I, was, I hadn't played for a year or so. Um, and yeah, sort of had a yarn with Hurricanes and Magpies, and that time they were really pushing to try to get local talent to stay around. And... Um, being from Hawke's Bay, I was like, I was all about that. Um, and yeah, managed to work a deal where I would be in and around for you know the next couple of years in Wellington and, and the Magpies, and there was no guarantees of me uh, returning to play. So I, I don't think that affected them in terms of New Zealand rugby contracting or anything like that. So they could afford to have me in as a complete, complete injury, um, but sign other people as well. So it worked out well and yeah, just truly grateful for them helping me out there, and um, yeah, I was that set off set off working with them for a couple of years just to try to get back playing, which I eventually did with them, which was yeah, just awesome. How did you approach that? How did you approach being in a in and around in a professional environment, not really 
doing what yeah. you're there as a professional to do. Yeah, geez, how did I approach it? Probably right now, um, thinking back, I don't know if it was the right way in terms of my arm or my headspace, but I just went full uh, pedal to the metal, just tried to learn everything I could, tried to go hard out in trainings, tried to go hard out at, <clears throat> in the gym, just tried to give 110% and everything. I remember actually um, my like one of my first couple of weeks there, hadn't really met John Plumtree yet, and um, I was on a Watt bike, and um, he reckons like he he heard some like dry reaching spewing, and I was spewing my guts out like just busting myself. And then he like looked out the window, and he like he never met this guy, and he's like, "Who is this guy?" Like just absolutely spewing everywhere, like he looks like a bloody <laughs> crazy man. And that was like, and then he sort of came down, and that's sort of when I first met him. So that was quite quite funny, but yeah, just tried to go hard out and everything. And, and like I said, that was real frustrating time because mentally I was trying to go hard out and everything improve get better but then physically I couldn't do any like my arm would just be like no Hugh kind of thing like mm. we're not doing anything or I'm not going to be on the same wavelength so I'd always that constant internal battle of trying to push myself body saying no trying to push myself body saying no and then sort of heaps of other injuries happen like I had sort of hip surgeries pulled mm. hamstrings calf muscles then I'd do a little bit of a training run and get like sort of try to stir up some of the boys and, and try really hard and then get a bit of a knock to the head or you know that was a bit like that for a couple of years just really almost fighting myself just to try prove to myself and to others that you know I deserve to be here I should be here or I want to be here and I can play rugby and, and that's yeah that was a real tough time I think mentally as well because um it's almost like a full stop go you know going hard out and then your boy saying stop and going hard out and constantly those two it's something that's kind of completely out of your control in a way with your body, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it essentially is, and and I had I was talking with physios and doctors there all the time, and they were saying, you know, I think as I've learned now, like professional rugby, you got to sort of like look after your body and load it the right way, and and I would always sort of come back from an injury and, and try to go a hundred miles an hour and then get re-injured, or, or um, my, I'd get a little bit of a win with my arm and try to, you know do a million tackles or something like that and then completely blow it out again and I just couldn't really it took me a while to work out like I just have to do little you know bricks at a time little steps at a time um, just because I was sort of in a rush I guess with like contracting and opportunity like being in there I understand that the professional window is small but also myself as well like I want to get better get get faster get everything all at this all now instantly um and often that development doesn't happen like that and it doesn't well nothing really happens like that but you know as a teenager or as a guy who wants to make rugby a living and all of the above um yeah you you often learn the hard way because you're just going to try do everything now because it's tough right because you just want to be when you're that age, you just want to climb and climb and climb and prove yourself, right? Yeah. And and you weren't being allowed to do what yeah. your mind wanted to do, which was yeah. succeed. Exactly, that's a good point. And here's an analogy, like, uh, that's exactly right. But for me and my specific situation, it was like I was trying to climb, but I was just stuck in mud the whole time. So I was always trying to sprint, but I was always sprinting in mud. And that's just because my body uh, wasn't allowing myself physically and or the above so that was incredibly frustrating for 2015 2016 and then 2017 I sort of had a bit more of a breakthrough in terms of playing but again sort of like uh, <clears throat> I remember 
I got um, like concussed at training. Uh, I was out for three weeks, and I was thinking, far oh, out, like you know, this is real frustrating. Tried to come back after that, real hard out, and then pulled a hamstring, and then that was that was me for another couple of months. So. Yeah, I was quite stubborn and it took me a while, but I sort of learned the hard way. Um, Is it just stubbornness that you think got you through or, or how, how did you, you manage, you talk about the, the sort of mental side of things there, how did you manage yourself and continue to, I guess, go for it every day? Well, I think I had some great some great people around me down there. Like I, I sort of had guys like Brad Shields and Jeffrey Tumanga Allen, Cullen Gibbons and Artie was there and and guys like that, um, guys who are still around, like Ricky and uh, and things that I would always sort of bounce ideas off and questions off. And I, I, I live with um, Brad Shields for a little bit, I live with Ben May for a little bit, and, and, and they're all been around for years. And so they would always sort of help me in terms of that. But as a guy or a professional rugby player, you want to just go hard out, take the bulls by the horn. And, and I often just, I don't think you want to lose that, but it just took a while to to find that balance of, of you know, you're the small pup, you can't bloody take on the line. Like I remember one time, it was quite funny actually, in the gym, we were doing like a, a, a hanging row, so your legs are up and you sort of pull up with your upper body and um, and there was one side by side and, and TJ Piranara, I think we had to do four four reps and, and this was the type of thing that would happen all the time with a few boys there and we'd do like three and two, it's a two second hold when you're fully at the top and then four, and we did the two second hold, and then that turned to three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, and we're each holding on. And I remember Corey Jane coming over and be like, like bloody heck, like these like idiots, like just classic, because he's one of the most competitive guys ever, and, and everyone knows TJ's competitive, and I just wanted to beat him, and we we're just holding on. It ended up being like 30 seconds, and then and 50 seconds in a minute, and we're still shaking the whole gym's come around because everyone wants to beat TJ Piranar, being the most competitive, and we're all shaking like that. And, and then we all we both start like going down, going down slowly, going down, and then everyone's like, get up, get up, and far out. We went for about a minute 30, and we ended up finishing about the same time, just full arms, um, full arms. Give it. That's uh, that's the type of thing, you know. You got in that competitive environment, professional environment, you've got everyone wanting to compete, but geez, sometimes, um, and it's tough, like as a young guy, you're either not physically there, or you're injured, or a whole lot of reasons, or means, and yeah, that was about me for a few years, so it was tough, um, and then, yeah, obviously, I, I, I'm not with Hurricanes anymore, so I kind of went off contract with them, and didn't really play enough rugby, or, or uh, and and didn't show them enough, and and, and didn't, they didn't see that I could fit into the roster going forward. So that was a tough time as well. But I learned a lot, and like truly grateful to like get back playing rugby mm. with them. But around that time is when you know things, I guess, you know, hit a pretty big wall for you, right? Yeah. Um, so, and of course, you can talk about this as much as or as little detail as you want, mate. But you know, your dad committed suicide in 2017 yeah. how did you sort of find out about that <clears throat> yeah so um i was geez in 2017 like um that was it was a pretty difficult year like sort of started to make some strides with rugby and then and, and sort of got injured and like i said my hamstring and 
um, I was just sort of lucky in the fact that um, well, mum and dad were doing really well with what they were doing. They were sort of Hawke's Bay farmers the year that year, and, and but it was pretty tough times. Like Hawke's Bay is not a very farmer friendly place in terms of weather and a lot of other things, and so um, there was a bit of a I sort of knew probably a couple of weeks uh, or a month before like dad just wasn't standing on the same. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I want to try to get up, and I was talking to mum and, and then then let's try to get up, get up home. But as you know, rugby week to week, we don't really get a chance to. I'd probably come home maybe once or twice a year. Um, and then we were the boys were playing the Lions in the semi final over in South Africa, so that gave me about four or five day window to come up. Um, and I came up and and realised, yeah, then probably Dad wasn't doing um, well at all, and and we sort of made a made a plan around what things needed to happen and, and just to try to relieve some stress or, or give them some time so we can take them off mum and dad off farm and, and have a bit of a, a refresh because they had been pushing like incredibly hard working for the farm of the year and just general farm life and everything but they didn't have a rest like farming's relentless you know doesn't give you a break and and my dad isn't the best at um, giving himself a break and it's probably like I find I've had the last couple of weeks off but you know, the, the first week or so, I was, I was just like, no, I want to get into training and I want to do this and do that. And I found it real hard to have a break. Um, he was passionate, obviously. Yeah, yeah, incredibly passionate about what he did. But um, he was exhausted as well, just from driving and pushing. And, and yeah, sort of made a plan and around getting my farm and things. And, and he'd been to the doctor a couple of times and, you know, we went down that route just to help and, and everything. And then... I'd, um, I was with Dad, and then we we lost the semi final. Um, watched that with him, and and then sort of helping him on the farm. Sort of that was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and knew I needed to be back in Wellington, pack up my flat to move back up to Hawke's Bay for the season. Um, and we had like prize giving and things, and yeah, I was sort of with him, or helping him on the farm with him and everything like that, and then and then. Um, flew down to Wellington on, on Tuesday night and he um, woke up at like 6am to a phone call from mum and he passed away Wednesday morning which was just like crazy, just a crazy shock um, and he called Steve Simons who I had a really good relationship, he was a player development manager at the Hurricanes um, great guy and and just said look I need your hand, like I need to get home um, all the above and, and yeah got home and a few of my mates packed up my flat and, and all of that but yeah, like just just crazy because he in my life like I don't see him as like a depressed guy or anything like that. Um, I never really he was never in bed or 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 all that side of things. He just he just went downhill really really quick and he yeah he was tired. He was mentally not doing well. I, I guess um, it's fair to say. And, and then yeah, and unfortunately um, that happened, which pisses me off. Um, it was really like sad and disappointing, but I also know what he went through, um, and that yeah, it just yes, was a shock to myself, the whole family, and, and every everyone really. What was the first, I guess, initial mo- emotions for you? It was you say you were pissed off, you say, or we was it just a, a shock? Oh, fuck, like how could he do that? You know, how could he do that to my mum? <laughs> Um, to to myself, to my sisters, to everything, and <clears throat> I've obviously learned a lot about mental health. Um, and I think, I think uh, it, it it just, I think it just it just leaves like a massive hole. Our lives are different. Like our lives are completely different, you know. Um, from that moment, 
um, and it's so like sad like we constantly live uh, with that missing feeling that sad feeling um, that everything and I know that a lot of people don't know about mental health or things that help them and I know my dad was an older bloke farmer classic New Zealand bloke um, and it's just sad because he uh, got into that situation mentally <coughs> um, obviously lots of dynamics in life happen and lots of things happen but you also have to be responsible to try and stop yourself getting into that and I think that was the saddest thing is because we had sort of done a bit of planning and organising to take him off farm to get the arrest and everything like that, went to the doctor, they'd given him medication and things and he hadn't taken that and I just remember the day before he, he, he passed I just sort of like he was sitting in the seat, I, I shook his knees and I just said, Dad, you just need to like let people help you, like, you know, let us help you and let me help you and then and mom and that and he was so like stubborn and 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 never yeah, he didn't take you know, the medication and, and, and he and I know that he was mentally like so far down at the bottom of the cliff that he didn't understand it himself or anything and this is why it's so important to have those you know, conversations with people and learn yourself and put people in place like safety nets and parachutes in place, I guess. So uh, so then you're not opening the parachute two feet from the ground, you know. You're starting to open the parachute 100 feet or 200 feet from the ground. Um, as an analogy, you know, um, and it's one thing that's good about, like, the younger generation, um, us and things, is, is people are starting to realise mental health is massively important as well as physical health and so they're starting to put friends around them they're starting to have a person they can talk to a counsellor for example and and uh, well for me now uh, I, you know, I, I yarn to a psychologist like every once once in a while just to check in ask a few questions and things and or i, or I go home or, or there's options to take medication or, or this and that um and yeah it's it's a definitely a tough one because like it's real sad <coughs> that we missed and we missed dad greatly but it was also left like a massive hole like mm. and and that's you know never coming back was it i guess the, you've sort of articulated that incredibly well is that there were things in place and you you did all the right things he went to his gp you know you guys got him on medication he was he was talk he was talking to people about it you know it, did that make, that obviously made it harder to take in a way well I think um, yeah, another point as well. Like I know, like a year before or something, like one of his mates was was not doing well mentally, and he was helping him, like mm. out from the hole and everything like that. But yet yeah, he's found himself, and I know, like, you can easily fall into that yourself, right? Um, but we just need to be so vigilant and try so hard to look after ourselves before we can look after others. And I think. And that's why it's so hard and strange because dad was always like like the guy you'd always go to or he was always that bloke that was sweet, you'd go to him with every problem, but it, you know, it affected, it got to him. Like he he obviously passed away from suicide. Like it can happen to anyone. Um, no one's immune or um, anything from from depression, anxiety or, or mental health. Um, and I think that's the message eh, is like, you know, if people can 
if they end up in that situation or they go towards that situation, the message is actually shit, like how can you fight to come back out of that? Because I think, this is my own, own opinion, like everyone's gonna face maybe a time in their life, some people don't, but a lot of people find times in their lives where they will be at that limit of thinking shit, you know, life's shit. I can't wake up, I can't. And I've had a couple of times myself when I've struggled it through injury or whatever and and thought, you know, it's really tough, but I think if you can really have the courage and pull the resources and learn uh, to pull yourself out of that and take responsibility yourself to pull yourself out of it, that's fucking, that's the hero, eh? Like, that's, that's massive because I think when you're in it, you don't see anything, you know, you're like a horse with blinders on, you, you're just going straight, you don't, you know, you don't care about um, family, yourself, this or that. You just don't, your mind doesn't let you. Like, the chemicals in your mind don't let you see things for what it is. Um, but you really need to try to put measures in place or try to ask people or try to go to doctors to to get yourself to a point where you are right. I think maybe the older generation didn't really understand that. They thought shit would just, you know, something's wrong with me or I'm just going to tough it through or... I'll figure it out, um, and I just think that's so wrong, and it just leaves families with just holes in them. Like my family will never be the same. We're, you know, yeah. my mum and dad were married like I don't know thirty years or whatever. They were together thirty three years, <laughs> married the day after mum's twenty first, and so they were with each other. Basically, didn't didn't spend a week apart, and then um, at all really, and the, the whole life, and then now she's left with you know three kids we were quite young at the time like my sisters was still at school and I was 20 21 and, and still young like not a man or anything like that and um we got this farm you know like mum's not a, f- a handy farmer or anything like that like dad was full running the farm and all that sort of stuff and 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 mum's completely like gone shit she's got to learn like look after all these kids learn everything about the farm and like to to my mum's credit like she's doing really well now um, running the farm like a boss, got everything nailed and, and things like that. But shit, the amount of pain and sadness and loneliness that we all have to go through, and f- so many families in New Zealand go through. Like, we just got to be better. Eh? We got to do better. And so, what was that initial weeks afterwards like? It, it's it's a it, yeah. it's for anyone who's who's suffered a death, be it sudden or be it coming. It, it's a strange time, isn't it? It's so strange. Like, it's just, yeah. I think that's probably the only way you can really describe it. Is just being, just you're in a strange floating zone of of nothing really matters, you know, in life. Like, I'm not. You're not really worried about where your next paycheck's going to come from. You're not really worried about uh, what the future's going to look like. What this or that. You're really scarily present. Uh, and often present and, and you're not feeling the best but you are quite present and I think for the couple of weeks I was like that and then the season started for me for rugby and it was like I was able to play rugby all good and played like every game for the Magpies sort of by, and for that season that started straight away after but it wasn't probably until after the season where I just sort of took a breath and, and dump, you know, because there's just things in front of you, so you kind of just do it and go into autopilot. So I was a bit like that for a while, yeah. Yeah, that, that is something that astounded me in, in, in seeing, you know, when you you had your funeral for your dad and then two weeks later your season starts up again. It, it, was that, it, 
how did you bring yourself to do that or were you just on autopilot I'm not sure to be fair I think it was a bit of um, like having good people around me like my mum and I was like I was living with Ben May and Jeff Cridge and, and Ben's wife and things like that at the time and so they would cook dinners and, and I had good people around me so I kind of just had to turn up learn do my bit and go again and and like yeah but it started real quick and, and I remember like I was just would just be playing rugby and I'd just finish and I'd just have mum on the phone and just be crying exhausted like every week just completely exhausted mentally and I was playing every week because I didn't have a contract with Super Rugby and the Hurricanes and I wanted to play every week and and at that point I hadn't played consistently <clears throat> more than five games for what was that four years five years I hadn't played more than five games um, and so dad never saw any of that and I think it was just the kind of like you just hit that autopilot survival mode like I need to play to do this and that and got to the end of the season I was just exhausted had it all had it like a all good season played most of the games felt felt really good but then yeah didn't have any dad here didn't know what my future was going to look like Hurricane said they weren't going to resign me didn't resign me Magpies said they didn't have any contract space to resign me that well immediate contract space they weren't going to resign me um and yeah, just I guess at that time, that was probably like one of the hardest times because that's when everything comes to realization. Mm. You've got free time, kind of thing. You don't, you know. Yeah. I was sort of doing uni. I hadn't finished my degree, or hadn't even had a proper degree. I hadn't had any rugby contracts. Don't understand anything, you know, all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, that's a point at a moment in your life. You know, six months after your dad has committed suicide and then you don't have any rugby contracts that's two major parts of your life that have now fallen away um how how you just spoke about being exhausted how were you yeah i mean in those times like i think i think i was just yeah so mentally exhausted and it just reminds me of going back to those days of being like injured like at high school you know, you're sitting in your room, like, crying, trying to, like, do something or will yourself to do something doesn't work. And I remember for my first couple of years at, at Hurricanes, I'd be back in my room and have just a real shit day of, like, trying to, like, do stuff, like, trying to, like, I was trying to do bench press or something with, like, five kgs in each hand and just not working. And, you know, when you're just trying to do something and it's just not working, you just feel like tearing your hair and that's probably why I've got a bloody receding hairline at 25 I've got no hair left mate (laughs) but that's what I mean like you just and that was the feeling you're just up against the wall trying to do stuff nothing's working you're thinking far out like Jesus like am I even doing the right thing Mm. or or, but then you think like stuff it like you gotta do something Mm. you know and and like I said mum was there and I I, I was going to a counsellor that time because I wasn't well I was struggling um, to function, like I was ruminating thoughts in my mind, like I, I think that I was probably reflecting of what dad was going through in times, like trying to solve things, trying to fix things in my mm-hmm. mind, trying to like figure out where I'm going to go and do and what I'm going to do and all this, but I'm, I'm not, I'm drained, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm drained, I hadn't slept properly for the last three months or whatever, I hadn't 
my body's been battered to pulp, you know, um, I've been working out hard out and then kind of this sort of in the off season, so naturally not doing as much running and things. Um, and and sort of at that time, just, you know, we went away um, for a few days and I just brought a big sheet of paper with me and I just was like writing stuff down, just trying to clear my mind. And uh, part of it was like, okay, um, well, you know, location, for me it was like Hawke's Bay, Wellington was the first one, Hawke's Bay and then um, Canterbury and then and then sort of just wrote down shitloads of things uh, about each place, positives, cons that my mum suggested, um, you know pros and cons and I just wrote it down and I think you know that's just trying to put the stick in the sand almost, you know this is stick in the sand, what are you going to do, you know that's your point, go forward you know. Mm from that and I think that's probably a big thing that helped was was seeing people talking to people but then putting that stick in the sand and saying okay here's a bit of a plan how do we get out of this um and yeah and then I was lucky enough at the same time that uh, I caught up Campbell Feather who's farmer farm from Hawke's Bay he's a good father in rugby and everything played a few games to Hurricanes and I just ended up talking to him I was wanting to, was wanting to talk to him about rugby you know mm. and being like, how do I get better? Or how do I do this? And how do I crack it? Or whatever. And he spent about two hours talking about everything but rugby. And that's when I, yeah, kind of started figuring things out. Like, shit, I'd been in this bubble, you know, this rugby bubble of just pushing hard out. And now uh, that's exploded. And then my whole life has kind of exploded because dad's passed away. So you see things differently. And and then we just sort of started talking about everything. And I think he realised, like, I wasn't bloody flipped out on drugs or anything like that. And I wasn't bloody... <laughs> didn't have addictions like gambling or anything like that. I was just a bloke that, you know, he was a young kid and we were just having a yarn for hours, eh? And then, and then he started helping me just see straight, just like a stick in the sand, you know, started writing things down, see straight. And I sort of made a bit of a plan to be like, um, you know, what I wanted to do. And I, I was determined to get back in the hurricanes and everything at that time. And so I went down to Wellington and, and, and university as well summer school wellington around my mates training uh reached out to a guy uh in hawks bay around nutrition and everything like that around you know the professional side um he introduced me to a great trainer gavin cross who's stephen adams trainer in wellington and then just trying to get routine back in life i think helps me a lot trying to get some goals in place trying to actively do something get friends around you family around you and then that's was me for a couple of months and then I was sort of talking to Campbell and Malm and then talking with um, Gavin who's he's just a great guy who just wouldn't charge me anything like that he's just trying to help me out training with him talking with him and we all kind of like Campbell and 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 Mum and then Gavin kind of said it. They didn't even speak to each other, but they all kind of said the same thing. They said, you know, you keep talking about being the best uh, at rugby, getting a degree in business uh, and all this sort of stuff, you know, like where do you think is your best place to do that? And they just kept challenging me, I think mentally, and I think that's something that really helps. And they, and they said the challenge of, you know, you keep saying without saying it that Canterbury's probably the best place to be. And I was probably shit scared as a rugby front. You know, I'm probably feeling quite vulnerable there in terms of contracts and things. And I knew that like they were stacked with Lucy's down there. Like, there's no contracts. There wasn't going to be any contracts for a few years or whatever. Um, and, and they just said, look, you just keep saying, like, everything's pointing to 
yeah. being this type of person and that fits with everything you've written down to being in Canterbury and 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 I was like, nah, I want to stay because I want to get back in the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes just brought in like another two players of guys, you know, in my position and things. Um, not even signed, just to do do training and then I was, I was like, fire out, like feeling real good physically and then um, so I kind of just bit the bullet and uh, ran, rang up the academy manager, Aaron Webb, and then he said like, you know, I was thinking about coming down and checking out university, like, would you be keen for a coffee? And, and he's like, yep, sweet. And then he actually rang me back like a few minutes later with Joe Maddock, uh, who was Canterbury coach, and he said, look, uh, there's actually an internal game happening next week. Uh, it's against like the Crusaders, All Blacks Academy, like we're all gonna play each other, like you wanna play? And I was like, yep. <laughs> yep, I was like, couldn't yes. work it out. I was like, yeah, nah, yep, yeah, yeah, I actually do want to play there. And uh, I remember getting, he's like, sweet, I got on a flight, played, felt really good playing, uh, it, and then came back and I was like, yeah, sweet, all my goals in line, boom, moved down, managed to see it at the end of that year. Uh, I wanted to get signed, so that was another hard point, not getting signed. Go through all of that because you want to be a professional rugby player, but I just thought, you know, I'm in the best place in the world for rugby. Just learn, 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 keep developing, and got a few games in 2018, which is just unreal. And then 2019, I sort of with Crusaders in and out training, obviously wanting to be a professional rugby player, and and then didn't get any games in 2019 for Canterbury, and they had they had like Luke Whitelock back and and everything like that from the World Cup, um, and and then yeah, and then sort of 2020. Yeah, it was still down there as well. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier about having somewhere just to turn up to. Was that part of it? Even though you were on the fringes, even though you were, you know, fighting really hard and you potentially knew yourself that this was going to be a big hurdle to get over, was it just having that place of, you know, Crusaders are excellent in in everything that they do these days, was it just having that place to to turn up and be involved? Well... That's a good point. It was what I had in my mindset was they said so when I was sort of up in the North Island, they would give you everything in terms of gym memberships, training, all that sort of stuff, but often didn't feel like you'd get the opportunity. And obviously you earn that and things like that as well. But it was down in Canterbury, like they um they gave me the they didn't give me a gym membership and all that sort of stuff. I had to do all of that. I had to do all the general life stuff, but they when when the times came, you know, they gave me opportunities. They gave me opportunities to train with them. Like I was always coming there for free, but mm. I remember in twenty eighteen, like I was, I was sort of a nobody, but I ended up getting quite a few trainings with Crusaders and Canterbury off the back of nothing. They'd just say, they'll just pull you in. And and that was you know, the club was great. I was training with a guy, Brad Tucker, who ended up he's playing in the MLR in America. Mm. He's player of the season and Twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen there, and um, just training with him, and and he was sort of in and around the professional ranks, and we were just sort of doing stuff in general life, you know, hanging out with mates, doing university, chasing your goals, um, and like yeah, you just get opportunity down there, and I think yeah, um, that was one thing great about Canterbury is they don't give you anything, but they do give you opportunity where it's to be seen, to put your hand up in some aspects or whatever. And, and I definitely tried to take those every chance I could. And I never got signed and there was not any contracts, ever any contracts in place. And that's why it gets hard because there's no contracts to to sign you, but they give you opportunities to, you know, be amongst it. And so I swallowed it up for, you know, a good couple of years, just every, soaked that up, each opportunity. 
and then um, and then yeah, didn't really have anything at the end of 2019 at all. And again, that was a hard conversation because mm. sort of talked to Reuben Thorne and and Razor and Reuben Thorne. You know, I had a great relationship with him, and he was keen to keep me around Canterbury and everything like that. And said, look, there's no contract spaces at the moment, but like, you know. We just I just got along with him really well, and, and Razor got along with him, and and he was saying, look, you know, maybe you need to do this and do this and do that, and just because, you know, there's no contracts down there, there's no clear opportunity to play, mm. but I was still getting better, and I always was going on an upwards tangent, so I was kind of happy to not I was I was happy to bide my time, but I also wanted to like you know push in there as well, and um and yeah, I just sort of didn't have anything, and then. Just randomly, this is what ha- would happen. They'd they'd call me up. Crusaders would call me up at like six six o'clock at night. I'd be training. I'd do training on Melville Park, which is next to Rugby Park, which is where they train. And I'd always train there early in the preseason, like six o'clock. And I'd go do what I was doing for work at the time. Mm. Um, so I'd get in there early with a couple of mates, train the house down before they arrived to training. They'd probably see me training, and I'd be out of there. Mm. So I did that for a few weeks, and they just called me up at like bloody six o'clock. They said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna." have a, like a bit of a run through tomorrow a bit of a game like are you f- available to play and I was like yep sweet turned up felt really good in the game felt awesome like scored a, like try I felt really good and and then had some really good comments from all the coaches and players and that afterwards and then sort of that happened again at the it got to the start of the year and, and then I wasn't come you know everyone goes away on holidays all the professional rugby players go away and then they sort of start again first week of january and i didn't have anything i was sort of working in the meat works in hawks bay and doing odd jobs at, at home or whatever and then um got a call can you be down here tomorrow to play and i was like yep and they're like sweet came down played felt all good and then did that about three weeks later and then and then they're like yeah sweet like something happened and then I was in for the whole season training with them so you were just taking your opportunities when you could well you have to down there you know mm. like it's so scarce and there's so much competition that you just got to be available and, and take it and that's real hard um but again like there's a lot of upside as well and yeah sort of just sort of started talking a little bit to Andrew Goodman who's the backs coach there and he's obviously coached with Tasman and there again no contracts in Canterbury and I was like you know I want to stay like do university and, and even if there's no contracts I just want to stay because I know like I'm getting better and all of that probably a similar situation to a few years ago when I wanted to stay in Wellington um, and then the way it just all worked uh, yeah sort of had a conversation with Goody um, that there could be a space in Tasman and then Ethan Blackett got injured the next week and then they said look like there is a space you know come up for bloody 800 bucks a week or whatever it was <laughs> I was like yeah oh, yeah, that's more than I got paid the whole it's bloody me. I'm yeah, yeah I was like yeah nah sweet and then I was real nervous I was like oh far out but just yeah again mm. meet some great people and some great support and then yeah, it goes from there you got your chance mate and, and you took it and and how that season you guys won the championship again yeah. was you finally playing rugby after so many years of not. Well, I just think, yeah, up there, like Andrew Goodman, Clark Dermody, Shane Christie, like they're probably the first time I met all those blokes and they're there. Just like real good fathers, eh? And I just, I think I was, I was wanting that for ages, just meeting like real good fathers, like having a yarn around rugby, what can we do to get better? And I always felt like I was just soaking up so much and just learning and going on up with tangent. And that's why I was real, that's probably why I was really upset not getting re-signed with the Hurricanes because I'd actually, 
and it wasn't probably at the obviously wasn't at the level that they wanted me or could see me adding to the environment but I just felt like I was always going on an upward tangent and like when I was sort of coming back from injury and stuff I was always kind of climbing slowly and then started to really skyrocket when I started playing and so going up to Tasman I just sort of started going like this and, and they were just fueling you with confidence and obviously knowledge and things like that and just getting around you and helping explain things with your game and just I spent a lot of time with Ethan Blackadder then and he was injured but he was just helping me like you know we do this and this and, and this is what this means and David Avili is captain like and just all the blokes around there and I was sort of training with Sione Havili a lot and, and he was really passionate about working hard and and they're all work hard and they're all just good fellas and I just felt like I just f fitted into their mould really well and then managed to get opportunities through playing, um, guys getting injured, playing and then just, they push, put, put trust in you eh? and I think, yeah, as, as, a, as a guy who had been in the professional ranks for a little bit, people putting faith and trust in you is just oh it's just the best feeling because you just think far out I'm just going to you know keep going better and better and that's what it was up there yeah just good fathers all wanting to get better work hard opportunity and yeah we just got better as a team better as individuals and yeah did you feel any pressure this being your sort of first chance in a, in a while and considering yeah. what you'd been through yeah yeah that's a good point I probably like I think yeah, when I look at it, like, overall, I think I'd been through enough experiences and things like that to be, like, to, to not, it wasn't a hindrance or anything like that. I was just, you know, I was going to put my all out there and stuff. But, again, I hadn't played any rugby, so I think after a few games, I was probably putting a bit of pressure on, on myself to be like, oh, I've got to be consistent here and I've got to do this and got to do that. And that probably affected my game a little bit. And then I sort of stumbled through a little bit and kind of worked it out. I sort of had a kink at one part of the season where I was kind of like, I think, draining myself mentally and things. And and I sort of yarned to Shane, Christy and, and Dermo, Clark Dermody, and they sort of said, like, we're happy with this and that and just have a think about this. And and those coaches, like, like I owe them so much because they were just they were just such good fathers. Like, they if they dropped you, you know, they would help you come back up and I remember I get dro got dropped one game I didn't play one game and and they're like okay we're gonna like work on this and this with you and we're gonna get you like way better mm. and but like that was just a boost like having that behind you is just yeah so mint and then I just felt like I sort of clicked on the last few games sort of um, when we started getting close to like <coughs> semi-final final and and yeah just had yeah just started feeling like I was figuring it out properly and then yeah um we ended up as a team I think we started figuring it out as well and yeah we managed to get up to Auckland and I think we just knew like we were gonna gonna do one on them and and they were tough like it was real hard and they were unreal talent but we were just I don't know it just you just breeds and now some small city high performing individuals guys who are just good bastards love to have a beer a good time but love to like work hard and conquer the world I saw a video of you guys celebrating afterward and there's this shot of you that just, you look like you are just elated. You are loving yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's it's all that, it's just like when you're pushing against the wall, right, there's a feeling inside you that you never get to the other side. But when you do, it's like far out. Like, I don't know, it's just, it's just such a great joy to achieve something uh, that you've just pushed as a team, as an individual for so long. And I think 
that was massive for us is because we're such a young team we had a lot of injuries so we had a bit of a different look to our team but we were a bunch of guys that were pushing really hard and we actually achieved achieved something you know we got over the line with a winning score and so that winning that winning feeling that winning mentality um that ability to to push and know and believe you can win but then to actually do it that is just unlocks amazing feeling that was probably a feeling for me for a long time through high school through injuries out of high school through professional ranks as i was always pushing always dreaming had that vision um to achieve something or knew where i was going so to actually like that was probably like my first taste of of winning you know of properly like getting over the line in first place because and then yeah and then you just stoked because you won and you just have a big party and it's fun to have. <laughs> we won't go too much into that but um super rugby contracts then come around again and and what happens there yeah so that was tough right so i had like the best time of my life with tasman marco unreal time they wanted to sign me um for a couple of years which was like unheard of for me like just because i hadn't been signed for like three four years and I, even with like magpies and hurricanes i hadn't like necessarily been signed on like current performance i'd always been you know so for someone to be like yeah we really want you like you're performing well like we want you i was like that was just such like pretty cool tony lewis like ceo at the time a great man like i got on with him really well he's now with the western force but uh, and, and Andrew Goodman obviously talking with him and signed a couple of years there and then uh, didn't have any didn't have any super at all like no sniffs no nothing nothing at all and I was like fire out like am I like you know am I even like that good at rugby you know um, I always knew I was like could play and I wanted to play but you, you know you, you're just trying to get in the door is so bloody hard well, you shoot. You showed that with with Tasman, right? You know, once you're in the door, you were away laughing. And I always knew, like, I was going up upwards tangent, so I just needed to, someone to help me open the door and back here. And I had that with Tasman, with Clark Dermody, Shane Christie, Andrew Goodman, all of them. And then, yeah, like I said, nothing super wise. And I was far out, like, uh, this is real hard. And but I'd always like every summer I'd always plan for like last four or five years or whatever I'd always plan around an off season and match it to Super Rugby and not tell anyone but always match it to Super Rugby window always get a Super Rugby off season program from someone had a lot of help from Brad Shields when he was overseas like I'd always put things together and just train and plan and do something and um, that's a fun time for me because you can do whatever you want and so yeah I, I, I just again I guess got to that planning stage and wrote a bit of a plan did that had all the anxiety of not having a team or future of rugby still had more to do in my university but I could graduate if I wanted to with a, a with a like accounting degree minor in finance minor in psychology but no I wanted to do a major in finance and but at that stage I was talking with Tasman I was thinking she's like I might have to get a job in Nelson play club rugby this would be what it would look like um you know, do I go to potentially like go to Aussie or America to play six months of rugby? Do I go to, because I was sort of talking to a few people in America and, and not really necessarily with rugby, but do I sort of make something work over there? And I just, I remember at the time, like, because um, all the COVID MIQ beds were all like taken up and there was like two, three months. And so I remember thinking, if I go to America now for like an off season, I, 
I could book an MIQ maybe January or February, but I might not be back into end of February, and that's like pre-season games and things, and I was like real close to like just saying, nah, stuff it, like, I just, you know, that seems real exciting, but I thought, nah, I just stay in Hawke's Bay, work away, do some work from on the farm or whatever, and, and then, yeah, sort of got to the new year, nothing, couple of weeks in, three weeks in, four weeks in, nothing, I was like, fire out, texted, remember texting um, before Christmas, like, couple of coaches that I sort of get on with and I just said like if you need anyone like I'm going to be fit and available like no dramas or anything like that I just let you know you squeaky wheel a little bit but you're just showing initiative you know you're not saying anything you're not putting pressure on them you're just saying hey look like if you want to help out like I can help you out um, and because it goes back to you know what do you actually believe I believe if I get in the door like I can do well and um, yeah I remember texting yeah, a couple of people and, and Clark Dermody texted back, like the first one texted back and he said, mate, come down for a week or two. We'll make something work. We'll make something work. We've got, you know, Liam Squire was a bit injured. James Lynch's was still returning from his injury and he just come come down for a couple of weeks. I was like, far out, like, yes. Went down there, flew down there um, and, and yeah, just got stuck in for a week and I just remember yeah, just talking with a few guys there um, and guys from, from the Marcos, like um, Shannon Frizzell and Fatuli and, and Mitch Hahn and things. And, and yeah, it sort of just got that opportunity to train for a couple of weeks. And that was that was your way in. There you go. Yeah, well, it sort of was talking to uh, Nuggy Aaron Smith in the, in the cold bath and he's a great father and spent a lot of time with him and he said, he said mate, like, compete hard, just compete and I back you. Like you show that you're, you know, it doesn't matter. Show that you're the best player on, in the Lucy's or whatever, or on the field, and and I'm gonna back the best player, whether it's an injury guy or whatever. And I'd never heard that from a player, or captain, let alone a captain. You know, like there's always like it was always like these guys are always gonna play, or these guys are gonna play, and these guys are gonna play, and there's no injuries. Even like when I was at the Hurricanes, like all these guys are gonna play ahead of year or whatever regardless regardless kind of thing even like they were way better than me but still and so Nuggy said that and I was like shit yeah just tried to compete and then got opportunity in the preseason game to sort of start and one because a few guys were not not available and then yeah just tried to compete and then yeah seemed to um yeah fit well with the coaches Tony Brown and that Clark Dermody and Shano and, and things and and then that led to playing the next week off the bench and then sort of round one off the bench and then sort of a couple of games there and then got a couple of starts and then yeah just seemed to hold on to it yeah life. yeah <laughs> tried to hold on to it like anything and then yeah just tried to yeah add value I guess and then yeah we just it was awesome because like Tony Brown gave me that shot through Clark through Shano through all of them and and I just was yeah indebted to them forever you know just to have a shot at Super Rugby and I hope it's the beginning because I'm feeling good. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt you took it with both hands and you guys made it all the way to the um, Super Rugby Trans-Tansman final and over that journey, making your way to the final, did you reflect at all yourself in terms of how far you'd, you'd come? I sort of probably did that after the season because I, I, I kind of like try to put myself out there and, and talk to like mentors and meet people and things like that and so a couple of people I was talking to um, Dave down there just great guy family man and he just said you know like re- like let's reflect real quick like where have you sort of come from and 
I didn't tell anyone, but I'd set a goal, which is just mad, but set a goal without any Super Rugby contract. I said, if I play five games, I want to play five games of Super, and I want to be like at this level of play by end of the season or middle of the season or whatever. And so to play like 12 games in the end, sort of tick all those boxes, uh, and that, that was a good feeling. But again, like you just want to do better, and I think I could have done a lot better in certain areas. Um, our team could have done better at certain areas. Like we did really well. Personally, of course, like you're playing games like without any contracts or whatever, so you, people say you do well. Um, and sort of reflected on that a bit over a coffee and a convo, and then, and yeah, you sort of go on to the next thing. But yeah, it was it was a great time down there. Great, awesome people like get along really well from CEO to coaches to to the players, leadership to the young fellas. It's just a bunch of blokes <coughs> that it's tough down there, you know. It's southern southern man rugby, like, but it's cool when you know things come together. Like, yeah. and and down there we can beat any team on any day. Um, which is super exciting going forward and um, and it just shows like you probably don't need to have a team of All Blacks obviously a team of All Blacks is good but it's mind, really mindset if you've got a team of guys who, who, who've gone through the ringer or have that mindset to be better than someone else it's pretty hard to beat and, and they've got it down there the Highlanders have it so it's mm. awesome to be a part of and hopefully be a part of it going forward mm. and, and during this time you've you've you know, from playing with the Marcos and through to the Highlanders, you've actually um, done a lot of work for the community as well. So, uh, you know, letting people know that you won a Kiwi Bank local hero medalist for your work to help drought-stricken farmers around Hawke's Bay. You're obviously determined to give back to the, you know, the community that that had raised you. Yeah, well, I think um, how that came about was um, like last year, right, was real hard every year is pretty hard for Hawks Bay farmers to be fair but you know out of the last 12 years we probably had nine years of drought last year was real bad um people were sort of un, uh, overstocked underfeed everything and then obviously drought on top of that um and like I said my mum's farming now uh, farmers mum's farming and all that sort of stuff so I've seen obviously seen it and then just through things like people I was talking to things that work we sort of came up with an idea um and then I just reached out to a few people through rugby, a few All Blacks and things like that, and just truly grateful for them, like, giving their time out and saying, yep, I'll help. And that's the awesome thing about New Zealand is people just want to help out. Like, um, you see a, a lot of time, like, if, if it's going to add value to other people or people in the wider, people just give their time. So massively thankful for um, the All Blacks, through the All Black captain, Sam came down to everyone else, um, yeah, helping out and just putting the message out and then put a bit of an edit together and then trying to just raise awareness and and trying to, yeah, just help people with a positive message in any way. And, and if it helped, that's cool. But, you know, uh, that would have been awesome if it did. And, and rugby, farming, kind of like when I look at my dad, they kind of go, you know, Kiwi, old, old farmer, like classic, you know. And you didn't want, you know, what happened to your dad to potentially happen to anybody else? Of course else. not. Yeah, of course that was in the back of my mind. To I'd seen you know grown men cry. I'd seen all that, which is should be like normal and everything. But um, again, like this is this is stuff. You know, people that's their livelihoods they care about so much. They've got no money in the bank. They've got mm. short grass. Their stock suffering. Like no one wants to deal with that. So, and I didn't want people to fall into a hole. Um, that I think my dad fell into. So I think if, if what the idea, you know, if, if they could see that and just get out of their own little insular 
you know, struggle or, or mind at that time. If it's something that pulls him out for a split second, helps him out, helps him, you know, maybe just over a cuppa, just, you know, mm. gets him out of the, the, the rut of whatever that was kind of the idea. And I was just lucky enough that things came together and I was got some great help from people and and, and that happens. But again, like, I, I just, that naturally sort of came and I don't try to force anything like that. But um, if things come up, like, I'm, I'm just, yeah, want to help for sure in that space. And we talk about you helping other people. Let's talk about you, how you help yourself. Um, how do you how do you look after yourself? Yeah, it's a good point because I think um, I think for me personally, like I probably suffer from a little bit of like depression and anxiety sometimes. Probably because of the sport I play, like it's a high pressure environment. Mm. Week to week, we're getting scrutinised. Um, uh, we're getting tested, um, whether it's within our own environment or external. You know, it's a high performing environment. You got to be at this level, and you got to keep raising the bar. Uh, coupled with that, uh, I'm like studying as well, um, so that can often get like quite a lot of work and quite draining. Um, so how do I help myself? Like, I think it's just trying to be really aware. Like, for me, obviously. Uh, I'm working a physical environment, so I'm working out all the time, so that really helps. Um, but I try to like get saunas then, get ice baths and swim in the sea, because that all just, for me personally, that just helps me like, I know, it just, it just helps get me out of the, the classic bubble of rugby or the classic bubble of daily life. Like it just, it kind of shocks your body and it thinks far out, you know, there's more to just what's right in front of me uh, and just opens it up. Try to hang out with your mates a little bit, but also like, time away and this is where I work on for me is trying to get time away so coming up to Hawke's Bay seeing mum being out on the farm is actually real beneficial you know because family's a huge thing for you isn't it yeah yeah for sure with my sisters and things and, and trying to catch up with them and and just just if, if you can sort of break for me personally if I can sort of uh break that day-to-day routine uh, a little bit just a bit of a breather and then you know reinvigorate yourself to go back in like I'd love to probably like pick up surfing or whatever um that's probably dreaming out loud. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sure you'd be fine with that. Yeah, but like those things, like to be fair, like a nice buff and sauna helps. And I don't know if that's because you just beat yourself up a little bit, mm. gives you a bit of a mental challenge, but mm. it sort of invigorates you a lot, like gives you a lot of energy as well. And it just kind of, when you're struggling in an ice bath or a sauna, you're not really thinking about your problems day to day. You're thinking, fire, I've got to survive here, yeah. which in a weird way helps, I reckon. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I catch up with a. Um, with a person over Zoom, um, with uh, New Zealand Rugby, we've got Instep, like they just, they provide a couple of counselling sessions and that's awesome, so I snap that up um, mm. and just have a conversation, not necessarily like um, when I'm struggling or anything, I just kind of have one every now and again, like every month or a couple of, week, couple of weeks and just have a conversation. She's, it took me a while to find a, like a decent person I, uh, sort of click with and she's real good like she's a, she's an american lady um she challenges me as well something i think i respond to um she asks me questions um which makes me think uh and we talk and ask questions and, and then figure things out and yeah that helps me a lot and it's, it's it's important to to note what you said there is it's not necessarily when you're when you're doing really badly it's 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 yeah. a proactive thing that you're well this, it goes back to you know what we talked about earlier about kind of that parachute a little bit like you just gotta you, i feel like i feel like i can I, I know when i'm like real on the on the heater like real good and then i notice when i'm just not as efficient uh as i would like to be and that's probably around like mentally you just kind of get to a point where you're drained out a little bit and you're just not as efficient as you can be so 
it's really around those moments i try to think okay what's going to help like do i need to do a couple extra sessions or do i need to go out and just have a day off like i remember um something that actually helped um this year um was i was listening to a matt fraser he's five times crossfit world champion and he you know he's he's physical every day right and on his he's got an off day and on his off day he would roll out of bed jump on the couch and watch netflix all day because yeah yeah because he's smashing himself every day he's outside every day doing everything so for him just to chill out completely do nothing for a day could actually be beneficial and he's like a mechanical engineer five times all crossfit weightlifter everything so he's obviously highly intelligent highly driven highly focused but then he's doing something that's completely seems not like that and that's probably i actually did that a couple of times this year just to chill out and then mm. i felt like it kind of worked because you you may like it for a couple of hours but then you get like a bit itchy feet you know and you start feeling bad but then you just when you get into your routine the next day for the next for the whole week and next couple of weeks or whatever you just fired up to a higher level and you just got that higher energy so i'm always trying to learn like that and it's almost forcing yourself to take a break, forcing right? yourself to take a break yeah and he also he does like a month of um no like no diet control no nothing like he just eats whatever he wants gets real unfit real um fat but this is <laughs> this is the world's fittest man he's been the world's yeah. fittest man for the last five year five times you know so like how are we to know any different like he is the a pinnacle of health and fitness so when i heard that it kind of opened my eyes a bit to be like shit maybe you just have times when you just don't take things too seriously mm. break the cycle and and chill out because you're just going to go hard as by mm. nature by your job back and forth so i'm still yeah. trying to work out all that sort of stuff yeah. but like i said i think like talking to people talking to a psychologist professional um and trying to be aware of like times when you mentally struggle like mm. ice bath saunas actually help a shitload too the ice bath thing and i will recommend anybody who who is listening to go and check out Hugh's Instagram, which uh, where he puts himself in 2019 through a horrific ice bath for about 10 minutes while still managing to eloquently talk about mental health and what you were going through at the time. In that video, the the theme of it is to do something hard. Yeah. Is that something that you still try and live by? That's a good point. I didn't think about that Um when I was answering those questions just then, um, and that ice bath was probably actually in there for like 15 minutes, but I had to cut out a bit because I was freezing cold and it wasn't really making sense. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember that actually. Um, yeah, do something hard. And that was the theme of that. And that's probably the theme of like challenging yourself in a sauna or an ice bath. I probably, I want to find something else where I can really push myself. But I know like people like, like mountain biking or whatever or... or um, I don't know if you've ever been on a watt bike, but that's a massive challenge. So okay. I think if people aren't doing anything physically, like trying to do something physically like that, where it's to go for a run where you're hitting that red line limit where you're just feeling absolutely smashed, exhausted, mm. your body's just getting pumped full of endorphin, mm. endorphins or something like that, and it's a real challenge, that's like the hard moment. And I don't know, I just feel like for me, if I push myself to that moment, I feel hell of a lot better i'm not in a day-to-day ruminating thought of because i'm always thinking like what's next what am i doing what's this or what you know um but when you're in that struggle point you're just not thinking of anything but bloody living and so if you can yeah if you can put yourself in those moments it's great and for me like i I get that now when i'm sauntering haven't had an ice bath for a while because i like been moving around and that quite a lot but we'll get into that more 
Um, but it's those, it's those moments, you're not in there for too long, maybe mm. a couple minutes, when you sort of hit that calm, but when you're exhausted, yeah, that's the hard moment, eh, that I just think is so beneficial. And what's something that you want to do better? Is there something that you see in yourself that you think I could be better in that sense? Oh, there's so much. Oh, there's so much, mate. Um, yeah, there's so much. Um, I think, um, like, I, I think I'm always aiming to be, like, like you know those times where I spoke about, like, more consistency. I'm always trying to be, like, more consistent with, um, with the way I'm feeling or whatever like that. So, like, um, like I said, like, being more consistent with, like, scheduling breaks or or scheduling time to do this and that and just really checking in with yourself because I think um, like when I it's not easy to spot yourself when you're living day to day it's not easy to spot yourself going down towards the ground if you know what I mean yeah so like knowing those times when to like pull the parachute a little bit um, before you get into a sort of a sort of turbulent dive where you're diving a bit too much I'm always wanting to get better at that and so if I can keep getting better at that and keep being aware of that I feel like that's gonna be more beneficial for me to just pull the parachute a little bit keep you at a medium level you know so you're just not really driving the iron straight to ground or you're just not grinding away everything mm. um you know people say grind like I heard this other day people say grind 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 okay but if you grind something it's going to grind to dust so you've got to grind to sharpen it but not grind it that it goes completely to nothing uh, and, and I thought, shit, that's probably a good thing. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to grind to grind to sharp. Use it. Grind to sharp. Use it. Grind to sharp. Use it. But don't fucking stay on the grinder the whole time mm. till it goes to dust. Wow. So if I can get better at keeping the blade sharp, going hard at using it, sharp, hard. Like I think that's mm. always. I mean, everyone's probably like that, but I think that's probably beneficial for me and a lot of people really. Couple last questions. Um, passions away from rugby what do you like to do what i like to do yeah it's probably uh something i need to always get better at um I, like i study and stuff and mm. i think i'm always like wanting to like try to like articulate businesses and, and try to like create sort of things in my mind that i want to do in terms of like making money or helping people in that way so that's always something i'm always trying to like always reading or trying to do something so i'm always like reading thinking about finance and investing and and businessy stuff and just things like that whether it's making a profit or whether it's not for profit you know like um how do we help uh for example like uh rugby so like uh, i'm really into american sports but like in new zealand is we're so great at rugby and rugby's a great worldwide sport so how do you connect those two and those sort of ideas of thinking like that and and i'm just kind of passionate mm. about those sorts of things yeah well you're almost there with your your studies as well um so it was a a major in finance and accounting yeah so yeah double major accounting finance and minor in psychology yeah so a couple, couple more papers to do there the psychology thing is that something you want to do more of yeah it's interesting it kind of just came up because like i said earlier on i had a plan to go to canterbury when i left school Mm. and i was going to do engineering there but then ended up in wellington they didn't have engineering or the one i like which is civil so did um yeah just picked up a few psychology management papers Mm. then i went to canterbury and wanted to do business so nuts and bolts of business is accounting and finance so that's why i sort of went down that track Mm. but then i had a few psychology papers there so I just did a couple more and then got the minor so 
it's, it's definitely something I'm interested in because I'm always interested in like the way the mind works, mindset, because uh, I think it just plays so, such a massively important part, not just in what I do for a living, which is rugby, mm. but also daily life. So yeah, exploring that a little bit. Um, I know that um, the you know the Chiefs old Lucy Lot Tyler doing like he's doing a bit in, in psychology and and the way the mind works neuroscience and I thought you know that's pretty interesting like I would love to have a catch up with him or a yarn with him because I find that stuff interesting for sure. And rugby, the goals there. Yeah, the goals always been there off rugby. Mm. Uh, probably don't need to share too much, but it's probably obvious if anyone's wants to be good at rugby, they want to be the best in the world. Mm. And you just got to keep taking steps to try to be the best at whatever you want to do i've heard you say say this a lot and this was something that your dad said a lot which was keep doing a darn good job um what does doing a darn good job mean for you yeah it's a really good question actually um i think um doing a darn good job you know is 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 a, is a saying that i sort of uh liken to a bit because um you can sort of smash yourself a lot or you can kind of roll out a bed and, and 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 do the job, but is it really that good? You know, uh, are you just surviving kind of thing? So doing a darn good job to me is is you're doing your best you can. Uh, it may not be perfect. It may not be the best in the world, but it's everything you can do in that moment. And are you being the best you can in that moment for yourself, for your others, whether it's your family, whether it's um, you know for if you're a dad being a dad out there you're doing you know you're doing the best you can for your kids in that situation you're doing the best you can to prep yourself uh for rugby uh to look after your body to um do this and that and and so doing a darn good job is like when you get that feeling of shit you know i'm doing you know you're doing a darn good job like keep it up you're doing you know you're, you're right there you're doing everything you can and you're moving in a positive direction yeah that's probably what it means to me yeah Cool, awesome. Hugh, I just want to thank you for being so open and honest with me today and um, I look forward to seeing how you progress in, progress in rugby and outside of everything. So thanks so much for joining me today. Nah, cheers. Um, yeah, grateful for the opportunity to yarn and you'll obviously made me feel real comfortable and ask really good questions that um, yeah, I've enjoyed, enjoyed chatting to you, so I'm sure we'll chat more. Hey, thanks for making it to the end and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe and share this podcast to your mates or across social media so we can get these conversations out there. Have a good one.